What up, everybody? We're on our 75th episode. For episode the 75 in Spanish for all Ooh. our Spanish folk. And uh, yeah, we got, Stone. we got Tony Shea up in the house, guys. Tony Shea. Lovely recommendation from one of our previous guests, Jen Toller. If you guys have not checked out her video, Please we're going to go ahead and out. link it up. Where? The description. The, no, no, description below, bro. You pointed up. No, like yeah, the little Instagram. annotation button that pops up. Do you do up. that? Yeah, do that, bro. If you're looking at the screen, top right. Yes. So it would be probably right here. Boop, real, boop, boop. real quick, for those who don't know, I'm going to pull up Tony Shea's bio, even though the man who needs no introduction will be introduced. And before you do that, can you like, subscribe, Ooh. and leave a comment on the video because we'd love that. I'm not going to keep asking, but I will. Uh, Tony Shea is an American internet entrepreneur and venture capitalist. He is the CEO of an online shoe store and clothing company, Zappos. Prior to joining Zappos, uh, Shea co-founded the internet advertising network Link Exchange, mm. which he set, uh, set <clears throat> which he sold to Microsoft in 1998 for 265 million dollars. That's a lot. This is about to be a super dope episode. Do you have any questions that you want to ask Tony? No, I'm probably going to be quiet the whole episode. <laughs> well, I got a lot of questions. Without further ado, we present to you guys episode 75 of the Morning Dinner Podcast. Every time I come in the kitchen, you in the kitchen, in the goddamn refrigerator. I sure am hungry. Tony Shea. What's going on, man? How's it going? This yeah. is a very interesting uh, recording studio you have here. Can you just kind of give us a brief elevator pitch on who you are? Yeah, so uh, I live at Ferguson's, uh, and uh, so do Jen and Beverly. So you can learn more about Ferguson's at fergusonsdowntown.com. There's 30 Airstreams and tiny houses. I think something like 35 residents, 15 dogs, a sloth, an alpaca, and five cats. And um, we're pretty excited. There's the residential side that we've all been living in, and then Jen's been working on the uh, front side of it, which is going to have a couple restaurants, a coffee shop, and all these local retailers there. And so all of that is within the context of a larger uh, downtown Vegas uh, effort to revitalize the city and uh zappos is also downtown which i'm also involved with so i i know i've got my um i'm kind of involved in a bunch of different things uh and but all of it is really centered on this idea of uh helping people find their entrepreneurial and creative spirit and um helping build community so are you kind of involved with also kind of the um, the what Kelly Bennett works on with the workshop downtown? Uh, indirectly. I think that's mostly uh, Jen's been working with her more, mm-hmm. more directly on it. And so uh, I, I guess for slightly broader context, part of what I'm involved with is downtown project, which is investing in different uh, small businesses like restaurants and bars and coffee shops and so on. Uh, and then our philosophy is pretty different from most other city revitalization projects. Like there isn't really this master plan where we say, oh, we need to have one of these and one of these and one of these. It's more about supporting the entrepreneurs and their passions. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's kind of how Jen here, she's super, 
uh, passionate about certain things. And then I think you were probably the one that originally found Kelly yeah. somehow. Mm-hmm. She's not at the microphone, but she said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, you, you talk about um, uh, investing in all these local businesses downtown so they can flourish. And you're all about supporting that entrepreneurial spirit and hustle. How do you find businesses to support? How, like, is there like a certain um, requirement that a, that a certain person or business needs, needs to meet before you decide you want to get personally invested into it? Into it? Uh, yeah, I mean, we were doing a lot more exploration in the early days of downtown project or DTP. And so, uh, the criteria is, you know, we've, we've definitely had people come and say, Oh, I've seen this bar or concept or chain in other cities. And we want to do the same thing here. And we actually say no to those because we want to have our own identity in, in terms of what's happening in downtown Vegas. And so being owner operated is super important to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and kind of along those same lines, like first unique or best is a criteria that we use. Um, we also look for people that are, uh, care about other entrepreneurs in the community in general beyond just, so, so even if they're say the best an entrepreneur or business owner in the world, if they they don't have a bias to be helpful to other entrepreneurs, that's something that we're not uh, that interested in. Um, and and then we also have kind of the more general criteria. If we're looking for, uh, in the case of small businesses, places that will result in more collisions, and by collisions meaning people uh, serendipitously running into each other. Uh, and so I think for most people, the last time that happened was maybe in college on a college campus where it's just normal to run into people. And part of what we're trying to collectively do in downtown Vegas is have these places and this culture where it's normal to run into people as you're walking about town. So collisions is a big part of it. Uh, co-learning, meaning uh, that for example, say there's a small business that's really good at PR and another one that's good at IT stuff. And if they can help each other out, then that helps everyone out. And so this idea of uh, the community helping each other out. So there's collisions, co-learning, and then connectedness, meaning the number and depth of relationships. So there's a, those are kind of what I would refer to as the three C's that we try to focus on and then combine with diversity and uh, density. And so, you know, all this stuff is helping is, is happening in a relatively small space within downtown Vegas. Like it's all, the goal is everything is walkable. Um, and then diversity, anytime there's a new project, it's the thought process is, is this something that will uh, help make, downtown Vegas more diverse will it help attract a different crowd and so that's something that we look at so uh, yeah if you combine all those things it's uh, collisions co-learning connectedness diversity density along with kind of the other filters of being owner operated and first unique or best and uh, and, and so on those are the things that we're looking for that's a pretty good answer. Yeah. You kind of had that in the back of your head already. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, I, it's very easy for me to recite because we do this 
kind of day in and day out, but it's also easy to remember because there's the three C's, collisions, coloring, connectedness, and the two D's, which is density and diversity. I always say when, when, when something is true to you, you don't really have to think about remembering anything because it's just the way you live your life. It's just your culture, right? And you, you talked about culture. You talked about how you want everybody downtown to walk by and know each other, to, to recognize each other. And if there's something you need, we got it. If we, if we need something, then you got it. Um, you're, why, why is culture so important to you? Because I've known that you, I've, I've heard you say culture is strategy for breakfast. And that to me seemed that like, it, it threw me off for a little bit because I've always, you know, thought that strategy was very, very important. Why is culture more important than strategy at the, at the end of the day? So I don't think I actually said that. If I want to, I'm going to, I have my laptop here right now. So I'm going to actually look who said that. Um, if I'm going to guess, I'm going to go with Peter Drucker, but I, let's see what Google You know what's says. crazy? If you Google uh, Tony Shea quotes, that'll pop up as one. <laughs> no, I swear <laughs> I never said that. So... Uh, Somebody must have been paraphrasing. I, That's what happened. Live debunk no, on TV. Actually, no, but I've definitely heard it before. So I'm uh, I'm trying to figure out who said it. Uh, Do you believe it though? The first search result is from Forbes. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. So what's for lunch is what it says. Um, <laughs> what's for it says, okay, here's, here's the first sentence. There's a debate online whether the late management guru, Peter Drucker, ever actually said culture eats breakfast or sorry, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Um, this is attributed to him in 2006 by someone who later became an executive for it. Anyway, so I never said that, but, <laughs> um, Dang. but I believe in the concept of it and, uh, I'll tell you why, but we may actually, we totally forgot this Fernet thing we were supposed to do. Let's, oh, let's do oh, it. We're doing let's it. go ahead. So, yeah. so for those of you who cannot see what's going on, um, we have actually lined up four of these mini bottles of Fernet Branca. And um, you guys have not had it, right? Never. No, no. And from what, I, from what and I've been Beverly's told. Everybody's going to do a shot with us, I think. From, from what I've been told, it's yeah, alcohol, yeah. so I can't drink. <laughs> oh, yeah. So he, oh, yeah. So yeah, Chuck will do double. Gonna, he was going to do yeah. two. So, Which is um, great, because he's just camera switching. He doesn't... <laughs> yeah, I'm just a co-host. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> Fernet for the okay, so we're gonna pour, and uh, for those of you who may not know what Fernet Branca, I first discovered it in San Francisco, which is where I grew up, um, over twenty years ago, and at the time it was this kind of secret bartender's handshake almost in the Bay Area. Would you like me to pour you one, Beverly? Let me All see right. if they can see it. Can uh, I take a look at the bottle real quick? Huh? Let me see the bottle real quick. Yeah, well, do most people listen or watch this? How does this uh, it's kind of 50-50 split yeah. down the All road, right. yeah. We have some All listeners. Right, so for those of you who are not watching, um, or, I mean, even if you're watching, I can describe what it is. It is an Italian liqueur that's soaked in 27 herbs, including ginseng, Ooh. myrrh, chamomile, anise, right probably licorice and other stuff. And so it tastes and smells like Chinese medicine. Have you smelled it yet? No. Oh, wait. I didn't know who's is who. He's like, I don't know if I was well, allowed to I'm open being it. greedy over like, here. I'm taking like, them all. Well, I like pouring you, it sir. into this. It's harder for me to drink, actually, out of the bottle. And, uh, yeah, so it smells, tastes and smells like Chinese medicine, but... 60 seconds after you drink it, it's um, you'll feel it coat your stomach. It's going to work its way down from your throat to your chest. And, 
And so uh, it'll coat your stomach. It's a digestive. It actually gets rid of nausea. Cheers. Cheers, so we're cheers, cheers. And it smells like medicine. Yeah, but you can, still smell it. you can still smell it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah smell I can still it, smell it right here. No, he might get drunk. <laughs> yeah, it smells like, like, like medicine. Yeah. All right. All right. So you said it cuts your stomach? No, not cuts your stomach. <laughs> I, was coats. Like, it, I was like, hold on, bro. You might want to. Coats your stomach. Oh. It's a digestive. It, it gets rid of nausea. I was like, that sounds a little dangerous. Maybe we shouldn't do it on camera. Somebody might die. <laughs> Cheers. I will take a little shot of my Red Bull here. And then, um, have you guys watched Pretty Woman? You know what? No, I haven't. Which was pretty woman. I think it's the one with Julia. What's the name? You Julia. Know what? This oh. interview is over. Oh my goodness! Watch We've pretty ruined woman. it. I cannot continue this. I know movie. the song. Pretty okay. woman. That one. But literally, neither of you have ever watched Pretty Woman. You know what? Have Which your one, it's one of those have movies. Have your listeners listen to? You? I'm pretty sure everybody has. I'm pretty sure we're just the two people in the world who haven't. <laughs> I haven't watched a lot of things. Now I'm gonna. <laughs> What's Pretty Woman? It's Pretty Woman with is Julia movie. Roberts, Richard Gere. No, is it what? Sorry, what, who, what is going on? <laughs> it's pretty much so the movie of, of 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 the 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 girl who's like you know she finds out she's beautiful. See, right this is why we need it to be taped live so we could have callers right now that can tell you about Pretty Woman. That's true. And That's true. Anyways, I could I could literally movie just call that came out in the early nineties, maybe mm-hmm. late eighties. I'm gonna go with. 1989 actually hold you know I'm gonna have he's gonna to look at the bio oh, right I know. now i got it my you laptop get, with me i'm gonna get two more lifelines <laughs> uh, i believe that's uh, 1989 and 1990 oh that's the year i was born well maybe that's why you know what's crazy is i've seen gone with the wind and that's an older movie yeah congratulations bro <laughs> Anyways, so this is not going to make any sense to you. So um, short version is there's a scene in Pretty Woman where Richard Gere takes. Do you know who Richard Gere is? I've heard of him. Yeah. Yes. You've heard it? Yeah. But you don't really know who he is. This is just going to, this is not going to end well for me. <laughs> yeah, me either though. Do you know who Julia Roberts is? Yeah, I know. Yes. Who, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure I've watched the movie in like I, clips I see, throughout I my life. Sorry. Now I got to look it up. All right, so Thanks, Richard Tony. Gere takes Julia Roberts. Richard Gere is like this in the movie. He's uh, Edward something. Uh, oh, yeah, I know who that guy is. Edward or Richard Gere? Uh, Richard Gere, sorry. Yeah, so he's an older businesswoman that takes Julia Roberts. Anyways, in the movie, he takes her to the San Francisco Opera as a surprise. And she's never been to the opera before. And weirdly, actually, in the early days of Zappos, the San Francisco Opera is literally like three blocks from the original Zappos offices, uh, where we were right before we moved to Vegas. And he tells her, this is not an exact quote, but the gist of it is, uh, he tells her people's first reactions to opera are very visceral. They either love it or they hate it. If they love it, they will always love it. If they hate it, they can learn to appreciate it, but it'll never become a part of their soul. And the same is true for Fernet. And so it's pretty deep. Damn. It is if you've seen Pretty Woman. I kind of no, I, I nothing. <laughs> it means nothing if I've, you've never seen. I'm just waiting. Is. I'm just waiting for all those comments to 
because yeah. we can pretty much expose ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, Sorry. I, I would. I'd rather tell <laughs> you the <laughs> truth, though. You know. No, no, no. You can watch it before this goes live or whatever. And just be like, "Hi, oh, you guys can't yeah. say shit." Well, we we'll go ahead it. and watch it after this podcast. Then yeah. we'll record an intro. You and then two we'll, should watch yeah. Pretty yeah. Woman together. While you got it. One of you is drinking for net. Ooh, <laughs> I'm down. During the hours. <laughs> you got it. It's right. delicious. Could I have another Sorry, one? Sorry, we got totally sidetracked. It's yes, all good, because you know what? That's the kind of theme of this oh whole podcast, God. man. This now, while you're... Are you going to pour another one of those? For yeah. myself? Okay. Do you guys want one? Do I you got extras. Use, yeah. Well, Beverly said she was going to have one with I feel us. I I'm still drinking. Oh, you're still drinking it? I have half done. Uh-oh. No, you're half... Full. Left. Half full. Half full, yeah. She said half done. It's a state of mind. I can't. I'm just repeating because I don't know if that's making it to the microphone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just. So many cups. Do you guys have to get new cups for the new new pour? Or can you use the same ones? No, no. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to see. We double cup because it soaks. Tony, are you doing another one? I am. All right. So while you're pouring that, I'm actually going to ask you another question. Um, (laughs) So you mentioned that you were in San Francisco originally with Zappos. What made the move? What made you make the move to Las Vegas, especially downtown Las Vegas? So Zappos was founded in 1999 and I was not part of the original founding. But uh, early on, I was uh, an investor and advisor and got involved in August of 99. August 1st, which six days ago, well, I don't know when this is coming out online, but right now we're recording August 7th. Mm-hmm. So six days ago was the literally the 20-year anniversary of uh, kind of my involvement with Zappos. And uh, so six, well, six days ago, 20 years ago, but then six days ago, I went and actually had lunch at Mel's Diner in San Francisco with guy named Fred who got involved around the same time and we were celebrating our 20 year anniversary. So, uh, originally was an investor advisor, but prior to that I had started an internet company called link exchange Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in 1996 with a college roommate. He and I actually ran a pizza business together and, um, we decided to get together to start link exchange and we sold that uh, in 1998 to Microsoft after growing the company to about a hundred people or so. And what a lot of people don't know is the real reason why we ended up selling the company. And the real reason was because when we first started, it was like myself and his name was Sanjay. And, um, and as we started growing, we started hiring friends and, friends of friends and that whole strategy of hiring people we knew and people we enjoyed hanging out with worked really well until we got up to about 20 people. And then we ran into a problem and the problem was we basically ran out of friends. And so then we had to, we were fresh out of college, didn't know, you know, how to hire people. So we tried, you know, we scanned resumes and interviewed people, didn't really know what we were doing. And we ended up hiring a lot of people with the right skill sets and experiences, but we didn't know any better to pay attention to company culture. And over a period of time, a lot of the people that we hired weren't great for the culture. And by the time we got to a hundred people, 
I myself dreaded getting out of bed in the morning to go to my own company, which was kind of a weird feeling. And That's so, the worst feeling. That's crazy. And so, um, and and so, yeah. By the this was 1998, and uh, that's actually what was the real reason why we ended up selling the company. And we got super lucky with the timing. It was during the first initial dot com boom, and we uh, sold it to Microsoft. And then I decided to get into the investing and invested in about twenty. I think it was twenty seven different internet companies, which um, I just realized is the number of herbs and Fernet is also Ooh. 27, which we talked about earlier for those listeners paying attention. And so we should take a shot drink for that. Yeah, exactly. There we go. Cheers. Numbers. Cheers. 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 It all came full circle. I'll air cheers you. There you go, sir. So, um, Yeah, I did investing for a while and then uh, invested in Zappos, which was one of 27 companies. But I realized pretty soon, like within a year, that for me, investing was kind of boring and I really missed um, being involved. Yeah, just being part of some like actually doing stuff versus mm -hmm. just uh, putting money into something. And so uh, I out of all the companies we were involved with. Zappos was both the most interesting and also like the people there the most. And so kind of slowly got sucked in and then basically within a year ended up joining Zappos full time. We were still in the Bay Area at the time. And um, I'm trying to remember the sequence. Of, and I totally forgot. What was the original the question? The original question was what inspired the move from San Francisco to oh, yeah. Las Vegas? Because I, I believe originally you guys were out in Henderson. No, and but before that, we were in the Bay Area. Yeah, Bay. right, right. Yeah, and, and actually, originally, Zappos was in an apartment. This was before I got I, I got kind of sucked in. Uh, they were in an apartment in San Francisco that after they left that apartment to go somewhere else in the San Francisco area, uh, Craigslist moved in. And so that was the Craigslist oh, damn, apartment. Oh, damn, that's crazy. And then uh, they were in a different few different locations eventually they moved into one of the lofts that i owned and um and so that's kind of what got me more involved just because they were nearby and then we decided i want to say 2000 so the zappos was founded in 99 i got involved full-time in 2000 and then i would say 2000 maybe two or three, we decided we want to build our brand to be about the very best customer service and customer experience. And we just happened to sell shoes. And literally one of our sayings internally is that we're a service company that just happens to sell shoes. And so once we decided we want to build a brand around customer service, uh, then we started thinking about what that meant. That meant we had to build up our own customer service department. We couldn't just outsource it. And as it turns out, no one in the Bay Area really wants to do customer service as a career. So we looked at a whole bunch of different cities that had call centers and uh, where we could hire people that were actually passionate about customer service. And Vegas was on the list. And it turns out it's, as we all know now, it's a 24-7 city, hospitality service focus. 
lots of call centers. And so we decided to move the entire company from San Francisco to Las Vegas in 2004. And uh, at the time, I think we had about 90 employees and about 70 moved with the company to Las Vegas. And we could have decided just to open up our call center here, but our thought process was if we were like serious about building our brand, about being the best customer service and customer experience, then it shouldn't just be a department that we moved. It should be the entire company. And so we kind of just over lunch decided, yeah, this is the right thing to do. Uh, moved actually to uh, next to the airport. So originally we had an office off of Warm Springs Road. And then I think it used to be the Allstate uh, call center. And then we moved, once we outgrew that, we were in Henderson for a few years. And then we kept growing. We're at about 1,500 employees now. And wow. We, um, From 70, 90 to 1,500. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. And, and for us, we were looking at our growth. And um, yeah, one of the weird things is when we were in Henderson, we originally had one building. This is off of Green Valley, across from across the highway from Green Valley Ranch Station Casino. And um, uh, I don't know if you guys have been there, but there's a claim jumper there and oh, yeah, yeah. Rubio's and all that. And so we originally just had one building, but then we outgrew that and then we added a second building and then we added a third building that was on top of the hill. And, and I think from the beginning, this is super long-winded answer to your original question. No, we need it all. Um, That's the best kind of answer, yes. though. Like, like, I had the experience of what happened with my prior startup where the whole company culture went downhill. So I wanted to make sure we didn't repeat the same mistake at Zappos. And so from the beginning, company culture was always important. And then as we grew, one of the things we realized was that as we spread amongst these different buildings that the people that were at the building at the top of the hill never saw the people that in the building that I was with. And so we started looking all around for a place we could call home as a permanent campus where we could house everyone under one roof and have enough land to expand upon, but have these, uh, you know, even I talked about collisions previously in the downtown Vegas or downtown project uh, framework, but this is something we thought a lot about in the office framework at Zappos. And surprisingly, it was hard to find anything that fit those requirements within the entire Vegas Valley, not just uh, Henderson or or Vegas, uh, the city. And so um, I'd say right up about that time, I, I forget the exact years, I want to say 2000, so I, I'd say 2003 was when we decided we wanted to build our brand around customer service, and then that was part of the reason we all moved here. And then 2005-ish, roughly, actually, do you know, 2005, 2006 was when we came up with our values, or? Uh, 2005 is when we started. 2005, and so... Yeah, so I had sent out an email to the entire company because culture was something that I didn't want to make a mistake about it again, and we wanted to build a strong culture for the company and basically asked everyone in the company, what should our values be? And we 
I got a whole bunch of responses back from employees, went back and forth for about a year. The initial list was like 37 different values, which was a little too much to try to remember. So we combined a bunch of them. And then we eventually came up with the Zappos list of 10 core values, which is still true today. And then we built our hiring processes and firing processes and performance reviews and and so on uh, around those 10 core values. And for me, what I think is pretty cool is that those values, you know, a lot of companies have these things called guiding principles or values or whatever that um, sound great on paper, but uh, it, it ends up being like this thing on a, their lobby wall and that no one really pays attention to. And what I really like about our core values at Savos is not only do we build them into the hiring and firing processes and performance reviews at Savos, but, um, but it's actually part of our everyday language. So a lot of times we don't even realize that we're using it in our language until people come and tour us, which we all, we offer tours to the public. So you guys should definitely come check it out if you haven't. Um, and so I was just Googling what these values are and, um, and so here they are. If you guys, want yeah, I believe I saw them online. Them. The, yeah, you also here. did, um, you did a presentation somewhere. I forgot. I was, watching, I was watching one of your videos and you did a presentation where you talk about and you break down each and every single one of these core values and what they mean. Um, yeah. So there's 10 of them. And so uh, we don't have to read through all of them, but if I was showing them to you. So if mm -hmm. you wanted to pick one and then I can, I'm happy to talk about them or we can move on to question Deliver number two. Service. <laughs> Deliver wild. Be adventure, creative. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Create fun and a little weirdness. Yeah, how do you... Can you is there, is there a one? line to the weirdness? <laughs> there, well, there's a prefix to it, which is a little weirdness, so we don't want oh, yeah. psychotic people. Yeah, that's true, but, a little um, weirdness. Yeah, so one of our values is to create fun and a little weirdness, which for us is really just a uh, fun way of saying... Because our belief is that everyone's a little weird somehow, and, and so it's really more just... A fun way of saying that we really recognize and celebrate each person's individuality and we want their true personalities to shine in the workplace. So there's a lot of workplaces, I would guess, if I had to guess, probably 80, 90 percent of most large companies where uh, you're hired for a specific job function and you go in and you have to act a certain way in front mm -hmm. of your coworkers and your boss and so on and you're a different person at work nine to five Monday through Fridays versus after work or on weekends when you're hanging out with your friends and you end up leaving a little part of yourself or in most cases a big part of yourself at home when you're at work and so we kind of have the opposite belief and um, some ways that it gets framed is there's companies that talk about work-life balance or work-life separation and we actually believe in work-life integration mm. and so like there's it's just life and you shouldn't uh like like we believe that the people you know, and, and it's a, i understand that uh, depending on how you hire people into a company this might not be no easy for most companies but for us because we hire people based on the 
Zappos 10 core values, we're literally just looking for people whose personal values match the corporate values. And so when they match, you're automatically much, you know, 10 times more likely to be friends with your coworkers in not a forced way, but that's mm-hmm. literally mm-hmm. what the what happens when personal values match the corporate values and you're actually hiring people based on those values versus just having it be this meaningless plaque on the wall or something. And so uh, w- the side effect is that everyone is actually uh, you know, friends with everyone, not because they're forced to, but because that's what just naturally happens. And even when people leave Zappos, they still maintain their connections and friendships with right. uh, what were formerly their coworkers. And so... Mm-hmm. Uh, my philosophy is like, why have this separation? And really, you should just work with people you would want to hang out with, and then you have the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. See, here's the thing, though. Chuck and I have worked a job together at a regular nine to five office, oh, and no. people who have listened to this podcast will know when you put us together. Like it's sometimes like, you know what I mean? Like our personalities are too similar and we've gotten in trouble at a regular job for being ourselves. So do you right, think but not with each other? Right. And so that's my point is like mm. you guys work together and I'm guessing you're also friends. Yeah. yeah. And best friends. isn't that the best of both worlds? And really what you're talking about mm-hmm. is because someone else didn't fit in that framework that right. maybe had that more company power did than not value the culture, yeah. but imagine if that company did in which case wouldn't you love to work together and hang out on weekends and so on of course and yeah. so th- so that's what we're trying to do so do, do, do you believe that um can, and i want to go back to the hiring process because i do have a couple of questions um but do you believe that any company can implement the strategies that you use and you take action on oh, yeah for sure I, I think it just takes this uh commitment to it i think when you're starting from scratch it's Mm -hmm. a little easier because you can just like and we didn't even have values in the early days like myself and the fred guy that i was talking about Mm -hmm. that we just had our 20 year anniversary anytime we would anyone in the company wanted to hire someone they'd go through and we did this up until we were 100 employees so i think every company that's fewer than 100 employees can do this um they did any candidate went through the normal hiring process and then once they wanted to make them a job offer, in our case, uh, the final quote unquote interview would be with me and Fred, and we would just go out to a bar or restaurant and just talk for a while. And we weren't interviewing for skills or experience or anything like that. It was super simple. It was, if we weren't forced to work with this person, would we still choose to grab a beer with them or, or dinner? And if the answer is no, like, so it, we didn't even think about values. It was just, right. is this someone we want to hang out with? Right. And the answer is no, then we shouldn't hire them. So like, once they got past the, can they, are they, are, are they competent enough to perform the skills that they're needed to provide? Can we still see value in them as a person outside of that skill set? Yeah. And, and literally a lot of times Fred and I had no idea what, job they were interviewing for and so it was very simple it's just let's go hang out and then you know just like in general like if you go hang out with someone for an hour or two you decide at the end of that Mm -hmm. do we want to hang out again or not (laughs) because there's people that i hang hang out with that i'm like i probably wouldn't hang out yeah yeah, me too i'm like (laughs) 
<laughs> the cut, whole day. Cut him, cut him. <laughs> uh, I get, I get it. I, I wanted to ask though, because uh, there, there's. I read something online where essentially through the hiring process, you guys um, would pay employees who were like basically trying to get the job. You would pay them for the for, for the training, but then you'd give them like a bonus to quit before they started the job. Is that something that's still implemented? Yeah, and it's kind of the same idea on in the reverse. Like we don't really want employees that are there just for a paycheck. We want employees there because they're passionate about the company, the culture, our mission, and mm-hmm. and so on. And and I think the last thing we want is someone that's there just because it's the only way they can pay rent. So we'd yep. rather pay them mm-hmm. so that port that question of are you there just to pay rent is out of the picture and they can go find another job or because there's uh, plenty of jobs that pay that will pay your rent right i mean at the end of the day everybody needs Mm. to get their rent paid that is of course always the driving factor for where somebody has to go to work it's more just giving them the like relieving the pressure so that they can find what they're passionate about and from our perspective it's or i'll just speak for myself it's no uh, like judgment or anything like my kind of personal, I don't know what you call it, mission or, or, or goal is to help people find the intersection of what they're passionate about and what they're good at and what's going to add value to whatever organization they're with. And sometimes that might, the answer might be something in Zappos and sometimes it's outside of Zappos. And I don't, really care that much about which one it is as long as it's as long as they find it as long as it's true mm-hmm. that's, that, that's that's true i mean at the end of the day you gotta you have to and i think you've said this before if if not so somebody else you said chase vision not the money right mm-hmm. chase vision which which means even down to an employee level they have to come in wanting to, to to be there and to make an impact right whether it's and this is another one of the things that i want to talk about is that your company has also you know been known for uh having records for staying on the phone for the longest right your your your, your call center um what one of the phone calls was like what 12 14 hours long um that's that's kind of that's that's something you don't really hear about other companies why do you encourage this do you like i want to know what your philosophy is on keeping a customer on the phone for so long and getting to know them all right so uh i'm gonna answer that question but i've been googling while you've been asking that question because uh you're trying to find out who said that no no chase vision no it's slightly different Mm -hmm. it's uh oh i did find it because i've actually used it in my presentations uh is that biggie smalls Oh, very good. And the exact I know quote, who that is. Is that Tupac? The, is that the, Tupac? Chill, no, bro. But literally, <laughs> literally uh, you guys can, I don't know how you do your editing, but... Um, we don't edit these videos. You can insert this uh, photo. Anyways, oh, okay. yes, we, we, are, <laughs> we are looking at uh, Biggie Smalls. Send me a screen recording um, on your screen there. No, uh, Notorious B.I.G., and one of his quotes, which I've used in my business presentations, oh, is awesome. uh, don't chase the paper, chase the dream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there it is. See. Don't chase the paper, chase the Classic dream. Classic photo. Yeah. You got to say in but, his voice. <laughs> and, and so, which is basically what uh, don't chase the. Can you angle what, a little bit, a little bit more? There you go. Oh, they can the see it. You guys, yep, they can consume. see it now. Well, when the video's been edited. <laughs> <laughs> Keem's lazy ass. <laughs> 
That's pretty awesome. Yeah. You're coordinating a hip hop so, artist. So, well, literally, what I say in my uh, business presentations is, I just want an excuse to use that photo. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, no, but it, I think that's something that I super believe in. And um, actually, I'll even, since I'm on my laptop right now, uh, I even got a text message this morning uh, from a friend of mine. Uh, no, yesterday morning at 9.55 a.m. And her question was... Uh, and this is a good friend of mine uh, that's been involved. She's very entrepreneurial and has been involved in a bunch of different businesses. And she texted, "What may oh, sorry may want your to get your advice soon? P.S. What's the best decision making framework you found? Specifics for assessing opportunities business wise, like cost benef- cost benefit of staying in one business versus another, etc." Um, and then she sent me a couple of emoticons and then, uh, I responded, let's see, when did I respond? I responded yesterday. So she texted me at 9.55 AM. I responded yesterday at 10.41 AM and I just said, what are you actually passionate about? And then she said, is that a framework or a question? And I said framework. And so, uh, and then she sent me this picture and she said, sweet, using it. It's her notepad. It says, sweet, using it now at a bar in London. So, anyways, that's something I definitely believe in. I think that you should start with what you're passionate about. I think a lot of um, people start with, uh, oh, how can I make the most money or whatever. Uh, But I would believe, uh, I believe that if you start with what you're passionate about or what you feel true connection in terms of purpose, like that's going to get you way further and you'll be much happier doing that there's also i mean unless there's a sense of urgency for money like for example like if you have kids maybe you don't i don't i don't know maybe you want to take that gamble of going i'm starting your own business but a lot of people say like oh if i have this thing that i have to do like for example i have to pay a thousand two thousand dollars a month in student loans otherwise they garnish wages or whatever whatever it is um when you follow your passion and your you work in your creative field even though financially you not you might not make as much money as you take in a corporate job i believe that there's uh that that passion that gets filled within you compensates for that lack of financial and even though you may not be making necessarily as much money if you keep doing it and you keep building on top of what you're passionate about, eventually I believe the money will come. I agree with that. Um, I guess what the what I would challenge most people with, with they think they might be in a place where they don't have the choice or mm-hmm. and so on, is what are the other things? And I think, the, like I ask it more as questions, but I think it's worth... Um, it's really more about a self-reflection thing is like, what are the other things that you assume you can't negotiate on or, or, or uh, I'm trying to think of what's the right wording. Like what are the other things that you assume are given? Cause in most cases, I don't think they are. And so people might say like the example you gave is like uh, the student loans example, or I won't be able to pay rent or I won't be able to do X, Y, Z when, all those things are choices, 
right? And you have to decide which thing you're the most passionate about. And if you're really passionate about XYZ, whatever XYZ is, then if you kind of live by that philosophy from the beginning and that's what you want to do, then you know, you don't necessarily have to go to school in the first place to mm-hmm. study stuff that is not in line with XYZ. Or maybe there's other ways to be more in line or to have education and learning about XYZ versus the kind of default standard, oh, I need to go to college in order to do that. Because I will bet you that if you talk to most entrepreneurs, uh, whatever was specifically taught in college in terms of classes is not that relevant to what they're actually doing as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you really want to go the entrepreneur route, like I think it's more about uh, asking what is really necessary, what actually falls in line with what you're passionate about versus what is what society expects of you or your parents expect from you or your peers like are doing and having the, um, I don't know, the, uh, ability, the courage, whatever you want to call it to ask why or why not. And versus just following kind of the default path. And, um, I, I think if you actually, you know, it kind of goes back to the whole passionate thing and, and that's kind of the test. Like if you're so passionate about something, then you'll look for every way to help make that passion thing come true versus I think what most people do is they look for a reason not to do an idea that they have. Like I can't start my business because I don't have a degree or I don't have Mm -hmm. the connections or I don't have the funding or I don't Mm -hmm. like you can come up with, there's a thousand and one excuses not to do something. Uh, and ultimately that's, I think more about not wanting to put yourself in the situation of being, uh, in the position where you have to figure it out. It's much easier to come up with an excuse to not have to do something. Right. And so, um, I'm a big believer in, uh, the whole burn the ships, framework have you guys heard of that yeah it's kind of like what me and chuck always talk about of uh throwing yourself into the fire yeah right oh you you won't know you won't know that you can or cannot do something unless you you do it it. yeah yeah well and the burn the ships analogy is i think there was a spanish uh this was something that fred used to always that i was talking about would always tell the story of like uh there's this spanish explorer that i think went to south america or something and uh and they went to go conquer South America and long time ago, many centuries ago. And then once they got onto land, uh, he had people burn the ships and everyone was like, what are you doing? And then his response was, now we have no choice but to move forward and succeed. Yeah. Whereas if they always had the option to turn back. That backup plan, that plan B. Right. And so... um, yeah. So, I mean, for me, that kind of goes back to how passionate are you actually about what it is? Or are you like, this is something I'd like to do, uh, but maybe I'll never follow through because 
X, Y, and Z. You're, you're always yeah. going to have yeah, that's, uh, excuses. That level of commitment, right? What level of commitment mm-hmm. do you have to your craft and to your passion? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I want to I want to kind of go back to um to how you got involved with Zappos. First of all, being an early investor in it, and then eventually becoming the CEO of Zappos. What made you think that the internet was going to become a thing? Like back in, I mean, you're talking about 99, 2000. They, we, we didn't have what we have today. We don't have mobile apps where you can just swipe and something shows up at your front door. We didn't have, you know, all these big internet companies like Amazon, Zappos, Facebook. You didn't have these companies. So what made you lean towards the idea that this might be something mm-hmm. big as opposed, as opposed to like, oh, it's just a fad. It's a bubble. It's not going to last. Um, yeah, so... I was always pretty entrepreneurial growing up. And so as a kid in middle school, and this was, uh, what year were you guys born? You said? I was born 90. Or 93. You? 93. Okay. So I was in middle school in 1985. <laughs> nice. And I specifically remember 85 because that's the year Back to the Future came out. Did you guys ever watch that? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was before Pretty Woman. So. Um, oh, for sure. And, uh, and so in middle school, like I was just always trying out these random entrepreneurial things. And like, I was on the swim team and I saw they sold baked potatoes. And so I researched how much would it cost to go buy potatoes and sell baked potatoes, which I think were, I don't know, maybe $2 at the time. And, um, and so one of the things that I got involved with um, was the mail order business, which this is all pre-internet. And so back in the day, uh, literally you'd look on the back of magazines or catalogs and you'd order stuff and send in a like a, a check. paper check. Yeah. And then uh, the normal time was four to six weeks later, they would send you back whatever you Oh my God. Bought. Yeah, like this. Was, <laughs> oh my god! That, what is it? Four to six four, weeks. Yeah, four that to six so, weeks, and that was lifetime. and that was normal. <laughs> like literally, go look at the back of magazines and whatever Damn. mail order catalogs. That's the normal time frame that something gets Dang. sent back. And um, uh, I remember as a kid, uh, my best friend at the time, he uh, had this book called Free Stuff for Kids, <laughs> and uh, it was. A, book that was maybe I don't know one or two hundred pages and everything in there was either free or up to a dollar that you could order and um and then some a lot of them you'd have to include uh SACE which was S A S E which stood for a self addressed stamped envelope. And so basically your max uh thing for quote unquote free was you would send in a dollar a self-addressed stamped envelope and I think stamps were 20 cents at the time or something. And, um, and so you might get something like, uh, um, I know just these little random tchotchke things and pet rock. It could be a pet rock or it could be, um, a book of recipes or, uh, I don't remember, but, but stuff that kids might be interested in. And so, um, at the time I, my brother, my younger brother and I subscribed to this magazine called boy's life. I don't know if that still exists or not, but they had 
I remember at the back of the Boys Life magazine, they would have these uh, ads for and get magic tricks or these novelty things and so on. So you could, that was another mail order type of thing. And um, so I wrote a type letter to the editor of, or whoever the publisher of um, the book, Free Stuff for Kids, because I, in the back of Boy's Life magazine, there was this company that sold button making machines, meaning like, these buttons that you, you know, with pins that you'd wear on your shirt or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, not like, like buttons that had slogans, right, like little, for political mm-hmm. campaigns right. or whatever. And so... Vote for Pedro. And so, Yes, exactly. And so, you, for each button, it would cost 25 cents to buy the outer plastic wrap and the metal stuff and so on to make the buttons. And then, but then I had to spend like, originally it was $50 for like a very, um, uh, difficult way to bake the buttons. That was very manual. And then I had a semi-automatic thing that I eventually bought for like $350. And so, but basically I was, and, and then my original thing, going back to the whole swim team thing was, I was like selling these buttons to people that wanted to support the swim team, but not Mm. that many people bought them. But then I wrote to the editors of this book, free stuff for kids and uh, said, Hey, um, for a dollar in a self-addressed stamped envelope, people can send in a photo and then they can get a button made out of it. And this was pre-internet. There was no Google or anything. And so they thought I was a legitimate business and adult and so oh damn that's and crazy. so well, yeah a- so six months later i was in the book um and then one of the quote-unquote tricks that i learned from reading uh, articles and books on how to run a mail order business back in the 1980s was that uh the way you track uh the orders you get uh is that you just say it's the department and so I said, you know, if you want this thing, then mail it to Department FSFK, which stood for Free Stuff for Kids. Yeah. And then I could track what was actually... So it, that actually ended up being a completely free thing. And um, and for the next, I know, five years or so, uh, brought in probably two or $300 a month, which was a lot of money for... A kid in the eighties, and then for the eighties in general, middle school too. And then, and then I went to, and then I went to college, and then passed it off to my younger, next youngest brother, and then he went to middle school or high school, and then uh, passed it off to the next brother. So it was kind of this almost creating uh, generational wealth yeah. in the family, <laughs> <laughs> middle school wealth. So, anyways, so that got you basically <laughs> thinking about the idea that hey, here's something that I don't have to be person to person making business with right so it was more that i knew the mail industry worked uh which doesn't really uh or mail order industries i think what it was called and um and then when so now fast forward to 1999 when the founder of zappos nick uh had this idea about selling shoes online and his whole story was he tried to find a pair of shoes in a mall and couldn't find it and went all over the place and couldn't find it. And, um, he did some research and he found that 
the fastest growing part segment of the footwear industry, which was $40 billion a year in 1999, uh, was by mail order, which was what I was just talking about. Wow. And so, and that was 5% at the time and it was growing. So 2 billion already. And then, and then, so we did a little, uh, research on our own and emailed existing it's very few customers, but emailed the existing customers and asked how many of them had purchased shoes by mail order before. Uh, and it was one out of the three. And so then in our, our minds, if the mail order industry was already 5%, which was 2 billion of 40 billion, then one out of three implied that the opportunity was at least 6 billion. And so, and that's where it seemed very logical that mm. the world was going to shift from paper mail order catalogs to online, even though we were at the very beginning of online. So mm-hmm. in our minds, here's a $6 billion opportunity. So super long winded answer to your that's question. A great, no, that, no, that's, that's a great answer terrible. though, because I got to learn about, I mean, I, I, I didn't completely forgot about mail order yeah, and how you actually yeah. like, first it was mail order. When we grew up, it was more, uh, you saw a number on the screen on the TV and then you would call to get your, oh, yeah. you know, like that For was, sure. that was the next evolution of it. And then the one after that would be, I guess the internet. Yeah. That's interesting. Did, did you ever end up, uh, finding out what happened to that button making business that it ended up going out of business? <laughs> it's still keep, it's still in uh, has it moved to the family? internet? <laughs> No, I think after my youngest brother went to college, then it probably shut down. (laughs) Close the doors. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's crazy, man. I mean, shoes in general, like, I don't know. Oh, carefully. Sorry. I just hit your microphone. How's the, uh, what is it called? I think we need another Fernet. My stomach's coated. Fernet. That's what I can tell you. Bronco. I love it. How's it hitting you, Chuck? Oh, I feel it. Well, we also have the audience members that have not really... <laughs> How do you guys feel it? Yeah. How do you feel, Jen? Um, I feel fantastic. No, they can't hear you on the microphone. I feel great. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm going to let you go ahead and do do that real quick. Uh, one of the questions that I had for you was, because you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you mentioned how you you know get involved with local businesses, you help start them up, you invest in them. What is your level of investment when it comes to you personally being their decision-making branding purpose like what is your involvement with them wait sorry with who with the with the local businesses that you invest into oh so um i would say in general um and this is not specific to just downtown Mm -hmm. but same thing is true for what we're trying to do at zappos with um internally it's called market-based dynamics which is a whole nother uh long conversation that we can talk about um, but I never want to be the actual decision maker of an actual investment and, and instead I want to be the one that's empowering people, uh, to be the decision makers. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of people that, um, try to pitch me on business ideas and so on. And no matter how many times I try to explain to them, like I'm not the decision maker, they don't believe me because most organizations are, are hierarchies and the person at the top of the hierarchy always can do whatever they want. Whereas we've specifically set our rules, policies, systems and processes and so on 
to exactly prevent that and be and part of the reason I'll, I think um, probably the most um, uh, the best examples on the Zappa side where we have 1500 employees and you know we talked about earlier where we started out with 70 moving to Vegas and then we eventually grew to 1500 but even myself and I think this is probably true for every employee as we've gotten bigger you just feel like things move slower. There's more bureaucracy and so on. And I don't think it's any one person's fault. It's just a function of the structure and the size. Mm -hmm. And so what we're trying to do at Zappos and what we're trying to do on the DTP side and on the Ferguson side is to essentially uh, get rid of the hierarchy. And so anytime someone asks me to try to, you know, either overrule a decision or try to get them a funding or whatever uh, that never works and I think most people don't realize why it doesn't work because I understand that's what happens in the normal world but um, or, or even forget funding like even a meeting or doing something like the reason I'm here is not be doing this podcast interview is because I literally get probably 10 requests a day for different types of interviews some are podcast interviews some are newspaper interviews or whatever and there's just literally not enough time in the day mm -hmm. for it but the uh using this as an example it's not like i went and researched what you guys are doing and then said oh i'm going to do this it was literally because jen in this specific case like told me to do it and Awesome, to, Jen over there. Jen. She said, "You said oh. threatened." She said, "Threatened Hold to on. punch me in the Hold face." On. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Nobody threatened anybody Not around here. <laughs> yeah. like, you better do this. No, so, so, and, and I'm using that as an example because, um, I mean, one because I trust her, and I'm super glad I did. But out of ten random emails a day, like, there's no way to do the research to know which ones mm -hmm. to do mm -hmm. or which ones not to do. And so I think most organizations, especially as they get bigger, it's more kind of top-down hierarchy, like the people at the top tell the people underneath what to do, whereas my philosophy is to kind of do the reverse. Like I want uh, what would normally be perceived as people that are told what to do, instead flip it and like I want to be a service or helpful to them right and so it's up to them to prioritize for me and so, so anytime mm -hmm. uh whether it it really doesn't matter let, let's just call it meetings in general i'll be like great if you get invited by in this case jen but there's you know different people at zappos and different people at ferguson's different people at downtown project like just have them ask me mm -hmm. versus uh, I think kind of most people's mindset is like, oh, let's go above them. And then it, it really mm, needs to come yeah. from the people that I'm trying to support. So, so instead of trying to run the business for whoever you're investing with, give them the platform and the ability to run their own business the way they would run it. That way they can run that business entirely with their own philosophies instead of you trying to make it your own, right? Uh, I mean, that's part of it, but part of it is also like Jen knows, like, I'm don't have an infinite amount of time. And so I trust that if Jen says, Hey, in this case, 
should do this podcast and she did it as well and you guys are fun guys and da 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 and then like I don't I don't need to go <laughs> I don't need to go verify that I just trust Jen gotcha got it so that's awesome, man. So uh, one of the last questions that I had is, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of talk online about, you know, Zappos Airlines. Is that ever going to be a thing? Uh, hopefully. I mean, part of the thing I was talking about, uh, mentioned a little bit earlier, is that on the Zappos side of things, we're going down this path internally that we're referring to as MBD or market-based dynamics. And so... Right now we have about 1,500 employees and about 300, we call them circles or teams. And so employees can belong to multiple teams. And traditionally, those teams are arranged like hierarchically. And so um, not that different from like in a normal organization where the people are arranged hierarchically. And so in a normal organization, uh, you get your budget and your headcount from your boss if you're part of a big corporation. So same idea normally, if but in, replace people with circles that get their headcount from the circle above. And what we're trying to do is transition it so that instead of the circles being in a hierarchy, those circles are each their own individual small business or startup, which is literally what happens in a normal world. Like if there's a bakery in... Um, or small businesses or whatever they're like they're not in a hierarchy they're just coexisting mm-hmm. and um, there's no manager or boss that tells a bakery uh, that tells the owner of a bakery what to do like if they have the customers then they can do whatever they want and so we're basically uh, having each of those uh, circles come up with a menu of services that initially they might offer internally, but then the goal is offer them externally as well. So, for example, we have a team that, um, or or let's just say you want to start up a cupcake bakery, and your passion is making cupcakes. It is perfect, <laughs> but your passion might not be the business side everything putting you still need a website and mm-hmm. you still need to figure out how to put ads on google or facebook or whatever and you still need um to set up wi-fi or whatever right so all those things are things that are necessary but not really your passion mm-hmm. and you might uh try to do it yourself which is then taking away time from doing what you're actually passionate about which right. is cupcakes or you might try to hire someone by Google or because your uncle's best friend's sister is a lawyer. So you hire her as your legal counsel, but who knows if that's the right legal person. Mm -hmm. Right. And they might make a mistake that seven years from now turns out was a really big mistake and you lose your whole company because she was not a good lawyer. Mm -hmm. But if you had a trusted brand and company that was focused on customer service, which is what Zappos is about and um, you know we have the saying that Zappos is a service company or a customer service company that happens to sell shoes but replace that with we're a service company that happens to sell blank which might be legal services which might be website services which might be online advertising services it, fill in the blank mm-hmm. if we're already doing it for ourselves then why not offer that to the world, to every startup, to every small business, so that they don't have to 
go through what took us 20 years to figure out and so that they can focus on making the best cupcakes in the world instead of all the other stuff that is necessary but not differentiating. Gotcha. Yeah. That's a pretty long-winded answer but it's, it's good <laughs> um one of the, one of the absolute and the, I, this, I swear this is my last question keep going man. um because we are running a little bit long i appreciate your time and i appreciate you coming on and talking to us yeah, and having this conversation you. we really do appreciate it um, but one of the personal questions that i had for you um was i don't know if you've heard of blockchain technology i have there you okay so is zappos or is any of your businesses taking steps towards adopting blockchain technology so i have two answers to that uh one is uh i don't know Mm -hmm. but that's kind of our whole framework like you could ask that about replace blockchain with cupcakes or with airlines or with anything like Mm -hmm. the whole point is it's not my decision it we're just trying to support whatever employees are passionate about. Gotcha. And that's the whole market-based dynamics platform, MVD platform that we're trying to build is that if you're passionate about it, plug into it, and then you can go, we're trying to create the infrastructure so that you can do it. Right. And um, and so the answer might be, yes, I just don't know about it. And because we're not trying to do this top-down approach, it's really more uh, supporting whatever people's passions are and um that's one answer uh my general answer that let's say your question had nothing to do with zappos specifically because i have been asked about blockchain in general is um what problem the my general response is what problem are you trying to solve and a lot of times depending on who you're talking to people will say well then there you don't need to worry about this or this or this or this and a lot of times those aren't actual problems those are just um those are just features of blockchain but it's not something that uh and i'll just speak in the case of zappos like wherever actual problems of zappos as a customer so um, and so I'm trying to think of an example with blockchain specifically. Well, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, the reason I asked was because I've been de- doing a real, a lot of deep dives on blockchain technology and finding out that you can use, um, blockchain to track the authenticity of products on, in, in the retail space. Um, you know, from finding out like, Oh, was this pair, is this pair of shoes, is this pair of Nikes really a pair of Nikes, which is not a problem in the United States much but it's a problem in other countries like China or, yeah. you know, and, and so, and, and so, yeah, so that's a perfect example. So on Zappos, we were, we don't buy stuff f- to sell from, uh, sources that may not be reputable. Like mm-hmm. we buy from the, we literally buy from Nike themselves. Mm-hmm. So, because what part of our brand and part of our differentiators, like, yes, We have the customer-facing, consumer-facing side, which is all about uh, customer service and experience and trust and so on. But separately, behind the scenes, we have super strong relationships with our vendors, including Nike. Mm -hmm. And so we have this super strong relationship with Nike, as an example, but 
there's a thousand brands we work with. And so like when Nike ships us stuff, we're not like no one at Zappos is saying, Oh, is this really Mm -hmm. authentic? Because we know it's Nike's (laughs) shipping us stuff, which we have a strong relationship. Like maybe if, you guys bought randomly from an Amazon Alibaba.com you know, <laughs> Alibaba or, or whatever, like from a yeah. third party reseller that right. there's some question, but or you buy on Craigslist or Craigslist, right. but we are literally buying from Nike right. and yeah, we have no in-person questions. meetings They right. come to our office. Like there's no question. Is this authentic? Mm-hmm. And so in that specific example, blockchain is not solving any problem right? because we already have a trusted relationship. So we don't need an extra layer of complexity I to solve a problem we don't have. I completely agree with you uh, when you said it was a f- more of a feature than a it fixing a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the only re- re- reason I could really see it, see Zappos using it, is like let's say you guys had like a limited run of shoes, you wanted to make sure that you bought one of fifty. You know what I mean? Then you could track if that really was one of fifty. Well, you know? well, well. What my response to that would be? That would be one way to track it. Mm-hmm. Or because we have a brand that we've built up over the last 20 years and a reputation, right? we could just call whoever's selling and say, hand deliver it. And then that we don't need all this extra technology to make sure, like, like if the problem that blockchain is solving is authenticity, for example, mm-hmm. like that's not a problem we deal with. That might be a problem that if you're a platform for third party resellers that you need to deal with, but that's not our business. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it might be solving a problem for them. It's not solving a problem for us. That's a good answer. I never thought about, you know, cause I've been really looking at, at uh, mostly technology across overseas. Um, and it can go from like food to manufacturing to all that stuff. But you're, I mean, I completely agree with the fact that Zappos is a reputable company. And if you're buying something from Zappos, there's a, 100% chance that it's an authentic product. Never said that it wasn't, but like just kind of implementing blockchain technology into it, I can definitely understand why you said it's not a, it's more of a feature than an actual problem because that's not a problem today. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man. Did you have any other questions, Chuck? No. You, you're pretty good with all the questions. <laughs> I was like, damn. How about, how, about, how about Jen? You got any questions? From me? Yeah. Jen? Here we got Jen Taller in the corner. The I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know if they can hear you. I Jen, you gotta go over. Yeah, <laughs> they gotta see your face. <laughs> there Hi, guys, back. What's your most uh, anticipated excitement for Ferguson? Ooh, ooh. I think she's asking you. <laughs> she's asking me. The amphitheater. I was asking Tony Shay. <laughs> she's she clarified. Um, I'm most anticipated. Uh, I don't even know what. That's a I lot of words. Um. <laughs> I'm going to say for the front of Ferguson to open up because that's kind of, so we've been uh, living on the back side of it, which is residential, but the front side is going to be open, I think, in time for Life is Beautiful, which is, let me look it up. September look it up. I'm going to look it up. So you it's, should know you're working it. <laughs> <laughs> Am I? Uh, it is September 20th, 21st, and 22nd. So is that going to be a Vegas. stage for Life is Beautiful? Ooh, oh, sorry. It's going to be I just more than a stage. Ooh. Yeah. So it's going to be open because I've been there a few times and the gates are always going to be open or they're still going to be locked for office hours? Or 
Or how does it work? I I don't know. I'm, I, but I life come, is beautiful. I can come is, closer. Oh, hi. hi. <laughs> uh, Ferguson's when it's open, open, there'll be hours. So the gate will open with hours and then it'll be closed when Got it's not it. open. Okay. Uh, but during the festival, it'll be open during festival hours. Ooh. And then we'll close it at night. Nice. So. But the festival is... September twentieth <laughs> to the twenty second. You got the laptop. Well, look, no. Well, I'm only right. saying this because you can't get into Ferguson during the festival. Definitely. Well, like not. in the footprint, so you have yeah. to have. Um, yes, you have to have Life Is Beautiful. But tickets. I highly, highly, highly recommend going because it's um, it's eighteen city blocks that are fenced off. I think it's three miles of fencing, and uh, there's eight year olds, there's eighty year olds, and Life is beautiful Everyone as in between. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I still haven't been, man. Shame on me. Yeah. I haven't been yet. What? I know. I've been to the old one, too. I've been invited, too, by, by Jan, by uh, 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 Kelly. Yeah. You know what Keep you should busy. do is you should interview Justin Winnegar, the CEO of Life is Beautiful, before, like, soon. Mm-hmm. Before, um, I would say, in the next he three He gets too weeks. busy. Well, if well, you want to go, before it happens. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if we can well, get like after. an if we can get like an email chain Afterward. going, that'd be cool. Yeah. No, no, that'd I mean so on good. the podcast. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Let's get an email chain going. We'll we'll gladly have them on. We don't have anybody for next week. We're gonna do like a freestyle episode, yeah, or we just, just kind of did like a behind the scenes. But we we're gonna show our beautiful faces and just talk to each other. Oh, but uh, we appreciate night. you being on, Tony. Like we really so do appreciate you taking your time to come to come down here and have the conversation with us. We try to be pre- as prepared as possible, uh, and I know there's a lot more to you, um, but I think we got a lot of good information and mm-hmm. kind of we learned a lot. Um, but yeah, thank you for joining us. Do you, do you want people? Do you want to let people know who, where they can find you online or any links, useful links? Well, uh, she's been shying off in the corner, but um, I actually <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna call Beverly up. Here we go, because uh, I want her to actually talk for you should ask her i want her to talk for one or two minutes she's super shy so okay be nice to her just like come on but i want you to ask her about what she's doing in the zappos market-based dynamics market-based dynamics mbd this is the whole thing where we're encouraging everyone to be entrepreneurs right so she's actually doing something called travel packs right am i pronouncing it zappos packs for Zappos travel. Packs. Anyways, I'm clearly not the right per- spokesperson for it, so <laughs> I'm gonna call her over and you can ask her. You Let's can bring the it. chair over too. Yeah. If you oh. want, you, you can sit next to each other. <laughs> if it's more comfortable, you, yeah. We'll take that back. Yeah. All good. Just, just pretend she's a new guest. <laughs> All right, Beverly. Yo, yo, yo. What up? Welcome to the morning dinner. Brand new episode. <laughs> this is the next week's episode. <laughs> this is really cool to hear. Yeah, it's it's kind of trippy at first. It's like, oh damn. Hello. Yes. So you probably sit in the corner for the last hour, hour twenty minutes. You don't, you you don't get the sound that you, that you that you're getting right now, right? Yeah, this is pretty cool. All mm-hmm. right. So the microphone, you actually kind of have to be a little bit close to it. That okay. It, so that way you can, you can actually voice. pull it a little bit closer, so you're not closer slouching. than this. <laughs> oh no, no, I'm just saying, so you're not slouching if you don't want to slouch. Be- Beverly, what do you do downtown, or what do you do for Zappos? Oh, what do I do for Zappos? Yep. Well, um, there's a lot to that, so I'll just give you just a brief history. I've been with the company. 15 years, like in the next two months. Ooh. Yeah, so it's been really yeah. cool to, to watch the company grow and to be a part of that experience. Uh, but what Tony was saying about market-based dynamics, um, where each circle has their own P&L and kind of thinking about their, um, I guess, each circle as a startup business. Mm-hmm. I'm doing something within that world where 
Um, we've branched off into something that's called Z Franchise. And okay. so uh, I'm a co-founder of Zappos Packs, which is basically curating the products that we currently have on the Zappos sites through the lens of travel. So whatever destination that you're going to, um, we will help you pack for your unique travel adventure. So the, the problem that we're trying to solve for, and Tony was mentioning, like, what problems are you trying to solve for in the company versus like what added features might be nice? The problem that we solve for, I guess maybe I'll ask you guys questions. Mm-hmm. Hopefully mm-hmm. it applies to you. We're the perfect people to ask. Yeah, yeah. please. <laughs> so if you're, if you're traveling and going to, let's say you're planning a, a trip somewhere, um, do you ever get stressed out in terms of like what you're going to pack? Oh, yeah. I get, so, I get so stressed out that I don't pack until an hour before I leave. Okay. Because <laughs> so, I don't want to do it. You don't want to do it, right? right. So yep. some people get stress and anxiety around that. So we noticed that that was a problem. <laughs> and, you know, maybe people don't know how to account for like humidity and wind chill and all those Nobody other factors. Of that. Yes, yeah, no, you can't just look at temperature. You have to think about like wind chill and humidity and right. what fabrics are the best. Uh, so that um, is something that we're trying to help customers with. And so you can come oh. to. Yeah. So Zappos Packs is all about packing. Um, to make sure that um, wherever your adventure takes you in life, that you feel your best. Now, we can it, help whoa. you with that. The, the, so, yeah. the, 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 does that have its own website or is that part of the Zappos website? It is. Uh, we are, because we just launched um, on the Zappos website. So we're a part of the Zappos experience. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so you can go to the site navigation and go to Zappos Packs. Mm-hmm. But if you ever wanted to go to it, it's Zappos um, zappos.com forward slash uh, e slash packs but I think you can also do zappospacks.com and that redirects to that there you as well go. that's a lot simpler yeah I think <laughs> yeah. yeah that's that's what we were trying to oh okay oh yes Instagram yes please follow us on Instagram Ooh, zappos yep. packs on Instagram please should that be the first link on this video yes the first link? Zappos, we'll do it. zappos we'll, packs on Instagram you. we'll go ahead be, and do that would be amazing <laughs> So Are you filming the, this? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> got Tony in the There's corner filming this whole thing. Like, can I? We're just getting more angles, but tell her, so but there's a difference. Uh, because it's not just oh, it sounds like a good idea, but tell them about some of the uh, customer validation experiments. Customer validation. Oh yes. And what, and that's oh, the whole journey. journey. So basically, yeah, so it's people be- probably don't know. Yeah, well, there's, you mean like what the journey that I went on for this to actually be a part of the. No, yes, you don't. Okay, so yes. (laughs) So this has been, uh, I would say, like a long time coming within the past year. Um, So I think something that I love about Zappos and having that entrepreneurial spirit, and especially now with the world of market based dynamics. Something when he's saying that each circle has their own PL instead of having that top down budgeting, mm-hmm. which in you know, sometimes in certain companies where certain areas of the company have all the budget, and if you get like one no, then the idea is squashed, right? Right, yeah. And so, what's great about this is that all it takes is one yes, but you can't just have a great idea, you want to make sure that you test it. And so, that's something that we did, um, just I think even on like a third party site to see. Um, just like, like one of those, I don't know, other WYSIWYG so websites. The, mm-hmm. the oh, the test. Oh, yes. Um, so what we did is we launched our own site just externally. And we had people um, just even internally in the co- in the company. Uh, we asked them, where are you going? What is like the destination? And what are the activities um, that you're 
that you'll be doing on these trips. And so right, then we and started doing that and we started doing that and seeing if this was actually a need that people would, would use. And mm-hmm. if we were selecting the right product, then we did a lot of user testing um, just externally out of the company uh, to see what they thought of the site. And they were um, saying that, yes, this is something that they would actually need because, you know, when you think about like the vacations that you guys plan, um, there's so much money and time that go into it. Mm -hmm. And if you don't pack correctly, and I'm not talking about trying to be fashionable or anything, but sometimes if you wore the wrong shoes and you get a blister and then you can't, walk anymore right? right because you didn't pack correctly it whether it's the entire like vacation it ruins the entire vacation yep. you can't do anything you're just like sitting in pain mm-hmm. and so how can we help you to make sure that you're um having the best experience and that you've packed confidently and Not so right. so oh, we started so testing crazy. it externally with user testing and that was the feedback that we got is that we were solving that's awesome. a problem and then pitched to different circles in the company for funding and right. so now that everyone has their own um i guess like budget that's how we were able to move forward. So it wasn't like going straight to Tony. Right. It was actually going to these circles to see if they find value. Right. Yeah. For so you you originally tested this idea uh, and marketed it to your internal Zappos employees, yeah. right? To, to try it out. So and you like grew a process. proof of concept and everything. We had a proof yep. of concept, yes. And then we tested it externally on usertesting.com and then asked the questions to see uh, what people thought of it and mm. if they would actually use the service. Now, is, is this service mm-hmm. like a like a monthly membership? Is it a one-time Oh, no, deal? it's absolutely it... free. It's free? Oh, yes. Whoa. Oh, yes. Okay. It's, part of, it's part of the Zappos website. And so uh, the first phase of this is really we are um, selecting destinations that are trending and are relevant and timely. Right, right. Um, and then letting you know as far as... Um, what is necessary to pack confidently for that particular trip. But the evolution of what we would like to do is really that type of like high uh, customer service type of touch. And that's what we do at Zappos like that, that emotional connection Mm -hmm. um, is eventually like you can then call in. Well, you can do that now. You can actually call in right now. And, you know, customer our customer service would be um, really happy to like help anyone out with their destination. But eventually they will have hopefully like our, our online or they can email and then tell us your destination, the activities, and then we will help you with a, a packing list. I was going to say, Whoa. so is it, it, do you see this eventually evolving into like a concierge kind of thing where yes. you can call in and say, what is there to do in the city? Ooh, you never know. Like sky's the limit, the possibilities. Right. And I guess what, how we'll evolve is just basically seeing from like customer data and what their needs are. Right. Yeah. Because if you think about it, you, somebody who may not necessarily want to take a trip, if they know it's all going to be planned for them that may inspire them to go, oh, you know what? I've always wanted to go to San Francisco. I've always wanted to go to New York or whatever. And, you know, having those logistics taken care of is just another bump in, the, you know, bumping them up yeah. towards it, taking that step. So it's just like, oh, it's going to be rainy in New York for the next two weeks you plan. So we might put some rain boots or yes, something. Yes, I uh, will. I would love that. That would be like the, that would be like a wow example uh-huh. where you're just like leveling up. I would love to go into the plan trips for people and like, then like damn. surprise boxes. If we know where you're going and it is raining, we'll send you an umbrella just in case. Oh, well, that's awesome. What? What? What examples? Yeah. Cultural. Oh, like. Yes. You go oh, yes. Like Real life examples. Okay. Uh, let's see. So, um, with every destination that we're looking for, um, we're thinking first also like the what is the weather. Um, also, like what is the train. Um, like 
like in Italy, there's like a lot of cobblestone streets and how to prepare for that. Um, also oh, certain yeah. activities that might be uh, popular. So we'll go ahead and, and help you pack for those particular things. If, I guess Tony's probably talking about Berlin. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're thinking about certain destinations, there might be, I don't know, a certain color palette or culturally how they naturally dress. Uh, like with Berlin, it's definitely freedom of expression. And so people may think that, oh, when you're going out in Berlin and they have awesome nightlife that you would totally like dress up in in heels or maybe what you would wear to Vegas. Mm -hmm. Definitely not it. Really? It's basically what do you feel your best in? And if your best is a pair of chucks, a jeans and a T-shirt, rock it, own it and do it versus trying to be something else. So Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. So so it's like almost like those we've done the research to help you. Um like even culturally what you may see there. So that's dope. Ooh. That, I, that's something I would never have thought of to, you know, to, to kind of do. Um, you mentioned how like Berlin, right? I don't even know what the culture is like out there. So is it, this is something that not only kind of like arranges clothing and shoes for you as a person based on your personal interest, but what maybe the culture is like out there and what's kind of like, I don't know what people wear to something like that, like an event, like you yeah. said, a nightclub or something. If, if we see that it is a, a necessary problem, like to address that you may not know of, mm-hmm. we will go ahead and Cause tell there you. Because there are some countries where it's like you can't wear that color, right? If, what yeah. about something like oh, that? Oh, yeah. So if you think about it, if, really? you're taking yeah. a, if you're taking a safari in um, like Kenya or any type Camp of safari right. in right. Africa, you can't wear camouflage because it's a military thing that that is like almost illegal. You could oh, not wear any camouflage. I never knew that. Yeah, so don't wear any type of like camouflage. You know, in the States, everyone kind of yeah. wears camouflage. It's more of a fashion thing. Yeah, <laughs> do, not, do not wear No matter that. what it is? Don't wear that in Whoa, Africa. Yeah, so you, there's... You, there's you want to blend in Vegas versus some Supreme t-shirts. Exactly. And so like if you're going into... Heels. Uh, maybe like a basilica or a church in Italy or, you know, one of those Catholic places, you have to make sure you cover your shoulders and so forth. So right. those are things that we're also letting people know that they may not be aware of because mm-hmm. we want to make sure, again, that they like pack confidently for whatever they're they're doing there. Now, is, is this whole service using the the Zappos based customer service employees or is this kind of like its own thing? Or is it intertwined? How, how, how does that whole thing work? That's a very good question. So we recently went live. So we're working through a lot of things um, right now. When you go to the site, you'll see um, uh, content already there populated with different destinations. We'll be adding destinations weekly. Uh, but at any time, regardless, you could always contact our customer loyalty team or customer loyalty at Zappos. And they would be just be happy to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, I can see that we would have dedicated people directly for like travel and those fabrics. Mm-hmm. But right now, um, we're slowly growing our team because we are technically a startup within the larger Zappos ecosystem. Oh, nice. So dope. Dang, Tony. But this is awesome. That what I love about Zappos is that whatever again that intersection of like whatever you're passionate about, right. um, your skills and what's needed, that there's an opportunity for that. Mm-hmm. And so I think I've been very fortunate in the, almost the past 15 years to be able to follow my passions um, right. throughout Zappos. So I'm very fortunate to, to be a part of this company. That's awesome, and clearly you're passionate and it shows in what you're talking about. Yeah. Awesome. You know? <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Thank you for joining us, <laughs> Beverly. You. We love it. <laughs> All right. I, w- I wish we would have known Beverly was coming. We would have prepared more questions. Yeah. Well, yeah. Have her on a separate there we go. Thank you, guys. You guys are awesome, and thank you for making me feel comfortable. Of course. Oh, Very no much problem. so. Thank you for getting on. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you, everybody who's tuning in. We'll catch you guys in the next morning dinner.
every time I come in the kitchen, you in the kitchen, in the goddamn refrigerator. I sure am hungry. Thank you guys for watching that episode of the Morning Dinner Podcast with Tony Shea. And you stuck it all the way through. You made it to the outro. Shout out to you. Thank Before you. Before we conclude this week's episode, don't forget to smash that like button and subscribe and leave a comment. Let us know what you think. Let us know who you maybe want on the show next. But you know That'd what? That'd be cool. That should be your decision. You shouldn't wait for us to tell you because you should want to smash that like button. But please, it's my birthday at the end of the year. So smash that like button. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you guys in the next morning dinner.